happy fall, everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> happy below freezing. <laughs> it is fall. Tuesday, October 23rd. Welcome back to the Weekly Impact Podcast. Um, today we're going to be on 1 Timothy 6, and around the table, uh, as usual, I'm joined by Pastor Daniel Yelverton and Michael Miller, and I am Brent Smith, and um, how are you guys doing? What's going on in your lives right now? I made shoes. I'm excited. You, you made shoes? Well, not really made shoes. I refurbished like mo- shoes. Like moccasins? So, <laughs> are you an elf? Yes. No, so... With Whittled the, them out with of e wood. With E-Kids, goodness, not that bad. With E-Kids, we're studying You're about so being Dutch, content. Michael. We're studying... <laughs> No, not wooden shoes. They're Jordans, man. No, we're studying about being content in e-kids, and um, I'm terrible because I I love shoes. So instead of buying new shoes, which I I've done that too, but I bought like a like a fifteen dollar pair of used shoes at a used clothing store, and I painted them so that they look new. They were pink. <laughs> but not anymore. So I'm really curious to see what these painted shoes look like. They're on like. my feet. Oh, oh. Yeah, see? There you go. That that was just for all you listeners that you all can visualize these shoes now. No, but I can confirm they are painted. But what I what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to start seeing if I can do this for like kids and stuff. Like people don't have cuz like you can buy a cheap pair of Jordans for nothing and kids are getting picked on at school because their shoes and stuff, you mm. know. You yeah, can, you could do stuff for them. So. Man, that that turned to a really really good direction there, Michael. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you guys. You, are, when you started you talking Dutch about painting shoes, shoes, I know. Wood. I was like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> Mike's joined yeah, like a clogging group. But he did say it's uh, like a special leather paint, so it's pliable, so it's not just like it's not house like, paint yeah. or spray paint or whatever. <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Spray paint. laughs> oh gosh, that's awesome. So, so that was so on topic. That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad we had that conversation. All right. Yeah. Just so you guys know, all of that is included. We'll touch on that in First Timothy six today. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Daniel. And Paul said, "Paint your Jordans." <clears throat> well, he he was a big Jordan fan. We know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because he's the greatest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here we go Boom. again. Here we go again. And if you've listened to this <laughs> no. podcast for a while, you know this is an ongoing debate between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. No one's painting LeBron James. I'm just saying. Anyways. You know what? He's <laughs> Michael Jordan is the goat for shoes. I'll give him that. <laughs> All He's right. the shoe goat. All right. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything that we want to uh, lay out there before we get into this? Uh, let oh, so we want to talk about the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good, good, good call. Yeah, that'd be yeah. good. Uh, so uh, First Timothy is, uh, Paul is, Timothy is a really close uh, disciple of Paul. Is somebody that Paul has poured his life into, uh, very much like a father-son relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really cool, cool imagery when it comes to discipleship anyways, to take like a parenting role uh, for uh, someone, even of the, someone of the next generation, and um, and just pass along a lot of wisdom and truth to them. And so Timothy's definitely that guy for Paul. And so Paul has poured so much into Timothy, and now he sent Timothy to the church in Ephesus, which is a very influential church, a church that's struggling with false teaching, uh, a lot of issues going on in the church. And uh, Paul has equipped Timothy for this job. Like he's equipped Timothy to then come and almost be Paul's voice, but only not only that, the voice of 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 truth uh, to this church to kind of set them back on the right direction. So, and I'll throw something else out there here that um, I was telling Brent earlier. People have questioned whether this should have been in the Bible, whether Paul wrote this or whether Paul didn't write this. And and, what, and, and the big thing that they they cite is that there's different words. That, that are used here, and maybe a different tone, maybe even some different sounding theology. 
But what I want to point out here is that you're going to have something different when you write to a whole congregation than when you write to a person. Because I don't know about you, Daniel, but if I were to give up, you know, give a speech to the church, right, to, to preach a sermon, my language might sound a bit different mm-hmm. than um, if I were to talk to you. You know, yeah. if, I, if I were to write you a letter, it might look different than if I were to write a letter to, like, my kid's school, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's some different language. And also, um, there are, he may have switched scribes. So imagine if you have one scribe, because Paul, uh, he was probably blind, right? Mm-hmm. Or very close to blind. So with Paul, imagine <laughs> you're, you're, you're dictating this letter to one scribe. And he might he might you know write things a little differently than the other scribe writes. So give a, give First Second Timothy a break. <laughs> yeah. Give these pastoral epistles a break. Yes, there's going to be some different language than some of other, some of Paul's others letters, but there's reasons for it. But if you look at the heart of these letters, it's very obvious that Paul was putting his heart into it, and he was writing a very personal letter to somebody he considered to be a son. Yeah. All right, Um, this is 1 Timothy 6 from the Dwell app. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers, rather they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, 
and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich and this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Uh, so that was First Timothy 6, obviously. So um, observations. I know that both of you said to me before we started recording today that you both really, really like this chapter. Yeah. Why? I think w- me and Daniel might have two different things because you were talking earlier about the, the second half of it, like the fight the good faith, fight the good fight of faith part. I really like the part about false teachers. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's really weird to say I like the part about false teachers, but we'll get it. What do you What do you like about Daniel? What's your Well, I agree with you about the whole false teachers uh, part, and um, I think that what Paul, the underlying theme around this is that the false teachers are spreading false doctrine. People are believing that doctrine, and then they're living their lives differently because of that. And so Paul is saying at the core of this, what you believe matters. Like what you believe about Jesus. Uh, where he is in your life. Is he Lord of your life? Is he everything you'll need? Is he, and that's why Paul starts kind of breaking out into like a little bit of like a verse form, like right in the middle or towards the end where he talks about Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and who is alone and mortal and dwells with unapproachable light. Like it's, it's almost like he's breaking out into like a poem about Jesus because the way he views Jesus dictates what he does with his life. But, uh, but I really like the, the end of this because I think that it, uh, it really is applicable to to us in our present age and our present culture. Uh, when he talks about those who are rich in this present age, uh, charge them not to be haughty, which is not what we would normally call haughty. It's just we're not being prideful. That would be a way that we could probably apply it now, not necessarily verbatim what Paul is saying here, uh, but to not be prideful and to put their hopes in the uncertainty of riches, uh, but God who richly provides. And, and I think that uh, there is in our culture a chief competitor for provision in our life. There's always going to, like Jesus said, like you can't serve both God and money. And in the way that, I, why he says that 
in that he says that the love of money in this chapter later on is the root of all evil, which yeah. is probably one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible, that it's the love of money, not right, just money, not money, is the root of all evil. Um, and so I think what's really great about this is that he's saying, if you believe that God is the provider of all things for you, then you're going to live differently. Mm-hmm. You're going to be rich in good works. Uh, and he says that, man, like people fall into the snare when it comes to riches. They, they fall into this. It says in verse eight, they fall into the snare and have so many senseless, senseless and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. And I think when he says, don't rely on money to provide the things that you really desperately need, like don't think that mon- having more money is going to take away worries. Yeah. It's not going to solve happiness problems or joyful issues. It's not going to make all of your pain go away. If anything, it makes things worse because it's unreliable and it requires so much. If you if it, if it's asking more of you, then you're going to constantly have to give more and more. And God, who's already full of riches and willing and able to give us everything if he gave us his son Jesus, then trust in him. And that's why Paul is saying, if you do that, you're going to live differently. You're going to look to be rich in good works. And and I think that if if we as followers of Jesus start to understand that we switch the mentality of being rich in good works, I think it changes our communities. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we look at things. You know, um, a couple of weeks back, Pastor Phil showed a uh, a clip from uh, Andy's. Uh, so sorry, from uh, um, Francis Chan about your life. You know, and how your life, like the thought, the what we do in this small sliver of life on a rope, uh, echoes in eternity for this long rope all the way across the stage, right? And so, if we save so much to so that we can go on vacation in this very little sliver part of the rope, we're missing the point. We're missing the point that actually the things that we can do is do a lot of good things for people. Be rich in good works because that's going to affect not only this life but also eternity. Yeah. When I when I see this part, it's I mean it's so descriptive of what I guess the kind of false prophets that that Timothy was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So so we do see a lot of these things about he he goes down and just starts listing things that they're puffed up with conceit. Um they understand nothing. And they have a, a craving for controversy, and they're quarreling. They have envy, dissension, slander, all this bad stuff. And, and that's where we start seeing this issue about money. So one thing that I'll say that I'll kind of contradict myself in a second, but hear me out. Um, we do see all this stuff about money. And we start looking at, I hate to call them out by name, but maybe some of the Creflo Dollars and the Joel Olsteins, the, the prosperity gospel folks. It's Paul's fairly clearly talking about some of that. So... So I wanted to make that point, but here's the here's the, the problem. We read this and we start thinking externally. We start thinking about all these other people mm-hmm. that are following all these terrible false prophets, right? Yep. And and look at them. These guys are bad. And we never stop and pause and think about who we're listening to. Mm-hmm. I think it now look, I love the staff here. Obviously I'm sitting around half of them, right? <laughs> but we should be questioning our staff. Mm-hmm. When when Daniel preaches, we should be listening to what Daniel preaches, and we should be thinking about it before we just shout amen. Because poor Daniel might be a false prophet. <laughs> I When you listen to this podcast and you hear me speak, you should be questioning me. Mm-hmm. You should be getting into your Bible. You should be getting into other sources and trying to figure out, is Mike full of it? Mm-hmm. Because... What we should be doing is taking the people that we listen to, the people that pour into us, and, be, and think, 
are these people false prophets? And the reason why I say this is let's look, look at the context here. Paul is writing Timothy. Timothy's a pastor, and he has other speakers around him. People are pouring into Timothy, and, and Paul is saying, Timothy, be careful of who you let pour into you. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, hey, Timothy, there's a bunch of these bad guys, right? Let's go talk and, and, and say a bunch of bad things about these prophets, about these false prophets. No, he's saying, be careful, Timothy, Timothy, of who pours into you, because you know who pours into you is, is going to affect who you become. So Paul, that's why Paul is always writing about, listen to what I have to say. This, look, this is the gospel, and he always brings it back to Jesus. If you're worried about false gospels, then think about the gospel. Think about Jesus. So the challenge I have for listeners is to think about who is pouring into you. Someone you think might be just wonderful and the best thing since sliced bread might be a false prophet. And another thing that I, I guess around this room and, and to, to people that are in leadership that listen, we have to think, am I a false prophet? Mm-hmm. Now, I've been blessed because people have called me a false prophet before, right? <laughs> and that causes you to think, wow, am I? Instead of getting defensive, mm-hmm. I, I have had to think, man, a- am I a false prophet? Am I, am I right? Am I wrong? Is my approach a bad approach? So I think we should constantly be doing that. We should constantly be asking ourselves, who is pouring into us and who are we pouring into? And are, are we being true um, sharers of the gospel? Are we, do we have a true missional focus? Are, are we really following Christ or are we messing things up? And mm-hmm. I think that's an honest question we should ask. And, and I think it's good to just expand this beyond just the spiritual realm because I think we can just look at just people that are pouring into us as just exclusively like pastors or spiritual teachers or different things like that. But honestly, uh, you, we are all being taught and we are all teaching, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way we're connected. You know, we're always somebody, we're always getting information from somewhere. Something is influencing us in some, in one form or fashion. And I think, uh, a, maybe a way for us to, I don't know, create a wall around the city of our heart is, is something called contentment, right? Nice. And so like, if you don't have, an ounce of contentment in your life, you are open to every single swaying influence. Uh, the next thing, the next best thing, whatever it may be that is going to try to influence you and make you decide these things and make it. So like the false prophets, you know, they were, they were pulling and praying on their fears. They were pulling and praying on their discontentments and their, their worries. And I mean, we have a society that literally is, uh, is thrives on discontentment, you know, advertising, marketing it yeah. thrives on discontentment it tries mm-hmm. to say man if you get this you'll finally be happy you know you'll finally feel free when you're in this car you know people will admire you and respect you because you wear these clothes you know or they don't what yeah, i know exactly <laughs> like like if only you had painted jordans then you would finally be right l- legit and so i know i mean the discontentment on on this side of the, i know oh legit look at that <laughs> too legit to quit yeah that's man that's how old i am that is so old school all right so uh but yeah, I mean, if we if we don't have contentment, so that's why uh, I love what Paul says is that like, man, godliness with contentment is great gain, you know, because then you're you're able to really have quality perspective, because discontentment is is it's very manipulative, you know, it, it will. And he says, hey, those who fall into this temptation, they they have so many different pains in their life, and and I think about the 
the financial situation of our culture, the amount of debt, the amount of discontentment that's flourishing in our culture, the way that discontentment and comparison floods social media. You know, I mean, it's always there's something that's going on here that's always trying to to pull at our heart, to feel dissatisfied with who you are. And if only you'll get to this certain status, then you'll finally feel satisfied. And the, the sad reality is that the people that have that status, we know by looking into their lives that they're completely discontent and right. completely dissatisfied. And so we're missing something. You know, we're missing something here within our culture about what it means to be truly content. And, and Paul, he, bring, he brings it pretty simple. He says, man, if I've got food and clothes, I'm content. Yeah. You know, and that's Paul. You know, that doesn't mean that we all need to be like food and clothes and that's it. You know, this is Paul's like measure for his level of contentment, you know, but we need to evaluate ourselves. Where are we with contentment? Where are we with like, look at your checkbook, you know, and look to see like, are you like spending money out the wazoo? Man, more references here. <laughs> checkbook and wazoo. I man. know. Too legit wazoo. Uh, are you spending so much money? Or are you in debt because of discontentment? You know, are you in debt because you had to have this car or you had to be in this place or you had to have these clothes because you were hoping that it was going to do something for you? But instead, if we trust God with those things, then I think this gives us so much freedom. It gives us so much freedom then to to not hoard what we have, but instead be content and be generous. And and that's the result of this. That's the result of this chapter is is generosity. And and so and I mean. Sure, I, I think we can we can say, well, I'm not there because this is my this is how much money I make and this is how much um, this is how much my family has to live off of. Um, but if we just look at the world as a whole, we are in the top like 95 to 100 percent of, oh, of yeah. wealth in the world. And yeah, that's such an unfair comparison because we don't see the poverty of the world. You know, some of us see the poverty of our own situation or even our neighbors, and that and it moves us to generosity, which is which is awesome. But I think that we can always, whenever we compare, we usually compare up, you know, and not compare down. Yeah. You know, we compare to, oh, man, this person has this and look at them. And I, gosh, if I could get there, then our family would feel a lot better. And and so I don't know. I guess the why I love this chapter so much is that it, it helps me it refresh. It gives me a fresh perspective on the value of contentment and, and reevaluating my life to see if I'm unnecessarily bringing pain and pangs, as, as Paul says, pangs. Say <laughs> I know, I, I, it messes me every time I read that. It's like, pierce themselves with many pangs. Many pangs. It's like a tongue twister. <laughs> Piercing pangs. And, uh, and so anyways, uh, but like, what are you, what do you, what are some self-inflicted wounds from discontentment yeah. in your own life? What do you feel like there's areas where, man, you just, yeah, you've, you've kind of put yourself in a bind because of that. And we've got... Uh, awesome people here at the church that uh, go through. Well, I've been through Financial Peace University, and it's really changed the way we view uh, our family, the way we view generosity. And um, I know we'll probably do that again soon. And it's awesome. It's it's so helpful because it just gives you just almost like a freeing perspective to to your finances and different things like that. So that's a small plug, but anyways, yeah. I'll throw another another tie between contentment and and the false teachers like you did. Um, the the message that we preach is not always from the pulpit, right? Mm-hmm. So the message that we preach sometimes is on Facebook, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Sometimes it's just by our actions. And so we might be preaching that message of discontent by who we are. So so you're not just preaching messages from a pulpit. You could be a false teacher yourself. 
yeah. by mm-hmm. your actions yeah. because of who you claim to be, who you claim to know. You, you claim to know Jesus and you claim to be a Christian. And many times we act in ways that aren't Christ-like. And that is a message that the world sees. Now for parents, that message of discontent is received by our children. Mm-hmm. So this is a, this is a shameless plug for our, our e-kids. So guys, this is, this is a good moment for those of you that are listening and doing this chapter a day piece, um, to, to, to tie this in with kids. One thing I really want to see us do in this church is have a better sync between parents and kids. Mm-hmm. I want to see this be a, a, a church that, that isn't like the kids' church in the back and then the adult. Like, we are a church. And, and we right now, we're, st- we're learning about contentment with the kids. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're learning about contentment with the adults. So I encourage you parents that are listening... Talk to your kids this month, because this whole month we're talking about contentment, and you're learning about it now. Talk to your kids about what contentment is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to them about it. And then, and, and if you're realizing that in your life you're preaching the wrong message to your kids, because you have credit card debt like I do, right? Because you like Jordans like I do, right? <laughs> if you're a terrible person like I am, maybe we should <laughs> be working on this and talking to our kids about it yeah. so, so they're seeing a better message. Maybe we need to do more than just talk. Maybe we need to make, take some actions and make sure that our kids see us growing in this area of contentment in our lives. So yeah. again, talk to your kids about this stuff because you are preaching a message to them whether you realize it or not. Yeah, and something that Nicole and I have talked about, Nicole's my wife in case you haven't listened to this and know me, Um, something that we've talked about recently is um, how great it is, like this is a perfect opportunity because what the series and things that we do in our sanctuary for the adults, they don't always line up with what's being taught to the kids in the back right. of, at, the, at the same time. So this is a perfect opportunity to start stepping out in as a parent. You have the opportunity now because you're learning about something similar, the same as your children are learning about. This is your opportunity to pour into your children, to ask them what they're learning about, give them insight on that, talk to them and help develop them. Don't just, and not saying that you all do this, but don't just bring them here and let our e-kids volunteers and teachers pour into them and then not talk about it anymore through the week. This is your opportunity to grow as not just a mother and father to your children, but a spiritual mother and father to your children too. So take that opportunity. Yeah, could you, could 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 I challenge you, parents? For for I mean, this is like you, Brent said. This is perfect because it's it's a home run because mm-hmm. we're both talking about the same thing. That it doesn't always happen, and when it doesn't happen, when you're talking about different things, over lunch after church, why don't you like ask your kids? And I'm sure most of you do. But hey, what did you what did you guys learn today? And and maybe. You know, even talk to some of us, you know, that volunteer in the back, say, hey, you know, make sure that you know what they learned. You know what I mean? So you can guide your kids um, through what they learned and then talk to them about what was preached to the adults and give them a a quick little kid version. I I really think that we need to grow together as families and as a church. Mm -hmm. And I really don't like seeing the separation of and this is not just this church. This is every church. There's again, there's the kids in the back and then there's the adults in the front. Let's bridge that gap by parents talking to kids about what they learn and talking to the kids about what the kids learn. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, challenge you. if you look at it like it, what happens here on Sunday is we are filled up and we are given knowledge. The actual growth really happens every other day of the week when we're not here. 
Somebody so, shout amen. <laughs> so, and it's extremely important that if you, you know, if you have a family that you're growing them up in Christ and wanting them to learn about him, it's extremely important for you to grow as a teacher to your child, just as important it is as it is for your children to be poured into by you for them. You know, yes. it, it's, it's a relationship that is supposed to take place and happen. So, so uh, take advantage of it. And, and I think what's, what's awesome here is that, so kind of take this from another level, is that Paul sends Timothy to this church as, a, as an example to follow, right? And, and so I think one of the greatest ways that your kids are going to, you're going to have these conversations is not only through teaching. Like teaching, they're going to learn to eat kids. You know, you're going to learn in the sanctuary. But kids and even the way that Timothy learned from Paul was by imitation, right? So Paul lived it, and he gave Timothy access to his life, and then that was where he learned. That's where he learned, and that's where he was kind of grew and fostered into this discipleship relationship. So, as, as parents, take time, take time to like give your kids the opportunity because they're imitating you anyways. You know, you can probably already recognize that they are doing some things that you you already do. Oh, uh, yeah. Judas, funny man, he he'll start repeating the things that we say, and uh, it can be <laughs> very a scary scary thought, but. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, like, like even like, like we'll like rub each other's back, like I'll rub his back. So like to like love on him or encourage him. And like when he sees like us like laying down or like, you know, need, we need encouragement, he'll come over and he'll start rubbing our back. Aww. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, man, like, you know, Oh cool. I'm doing one thing right. But then, <laughs> then there's all the other things. And then, but, uh, but I think that it's really important for, uh, time, like time as a family to, to just sit down and have some of these discussions. And so I, I want to echo the challenge that Michael just gave uh, to not only do it right after church, because I think it's a great time to learn it, but even throughout the week, you know, just center a conversation around contentment, you know, and about, you know, where are you with that? If you have teenager, you know, teenage kids, um, talk about contentment, talk about what that looks like. What does it look like in their situation? What does it look like to their world? Uh, and then give that, give yourself access to that. And then, honestly, like suck it up and model it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there we're reading this book called the gods at war or gods at war. And it's about idolatry and fight club. And one of the things that really hit me really hard in that book was it said, it said that you as a family have erected idols in your house, you know, so what are they? What are the things that you worship in your house? You know, and they, what are you spending your time in? What are you spending your effort in? What are you pouring your resources into? What is bringing you the most joy? You know, and I have to evaluate that. I have to evaluate like, all right, what are we putting up in our house that we're passing on to our kids? Because our kids will learn what to worship by watching us. And and so that that's just um, kind of another spin to it. But man, like you have so, we have so much to valuable time as parents to pour into our children and don't waste it on our own insecurities and discontentment, mm-hmm. you know, work on those things and then pour that into your children. My my last thought on this chapter is is kind of like a wrap up of of how I see it in general is we t- we talk about false prophets and we talk about contentment right and when you were talking about those things recognize that whoever pours into you matters and who you pour into matters don't just judge someone from a far distance about being a false prophet let's ask. Am I a false prophet? Uh-huh. Am I being a false prophet to my children? Am I being a false prophet to the people that read my stuff on Facebook and, and see my pictures on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Am I a false prophet, again, to my kids, which is very important? 
and who is pouring into me and are they false prophets? Let's look at this thing internally instead of just judging people on the outside. Who am I listening to and who's listening to me? Yeah, it's awesome. I'll pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. <clears throat> we thank you for the fact that we can be um, just loved children in your presence um, and throughout every second of our lives. Um, if we just know you and turn to you, God. We would just ask today that um, for us here and for everyone listening, um, that as we walk this tightrope of always making sure that we are in check, um, that you would help us to do that, God. That you would help us to always make sure that what we are saying to people, uh, especially in your name, is true. Um, and the fact that uh, we're always pouring into people and people are always pouring into us. Help us keep that at the front of our minds, God. Um, it can be difficult, but if we keep our eyes on you and we constantly are checking ourselves, we can find a good balance between all of that. And God, we just ask you through our lives to continue to be with us um, and for this podcast to continue to um, reach people in the way that you would want it to reach them. So God, we just ask you to watch over this week. Bless everyone listening. Um, be with any of our friends who are sick and struggling right now and just uh, continue to show us who you are and shine through us, God. So God, we thank you and we lift you up. In your name we say, amen. 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 Thanks. All right, you guys. Um, thank you so much for listening again another week of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Um, we just we just really appreciate it. Um, we're really happy that we get to be here and talk to you guys and that you get to hear these conversations. And... Um, Pray for us, if you would, because uh, we definitely don't want to be false prophets and be teaching you guys anything that we shouldn't be. Um, so help us to keep our eyes on the ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, pray for us, if you would, and we will continue to do this show in hopes that it is <laughs> pouring into you guys. So um, until next week, uh, stay warm. <laughs> Enjoy whatever bit of fall we have left as we're moving into the holiday season. And um, just know that we love you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a good week.